When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every single year in fantasy football, there are players who disappoint, maybe breakout candidates that don't break out, or just generally overpriced players who don't quite meet their price or our expectations. But then the following year, we get players that bounce back or post-hype sleepers. And today, here on Spike Week, our Spike Week Sickos show, we're going to dive into some of those players who may be disappointed last year, maybe let you down in best ball that might be on the verge of a breakout in 2023. Let's do it. Three, two, one, liftoff. So I really wanted to do this show. We have a couple other shows in the hopper here mm-hmm. and thank you every and thank you everyone for of course joining us but i really wanted to do this show and get this one out of the way so i can never talk about gabe davis again for the rest of the summer because of course i will be bringing him up at some point today during the show and i spent just way too much time thinking about talking about arguing over Gabe Davis last year and frankly even already a little bit a little bit this year and so we're gonna it's not even June we're at the end of May we're gonna get any Gabe Davis or some of these dusty players maybe some Broncos Russell Wilson etc uh get some of those guys out of the way here early and often so we can focus on some other maybe uh more fun new and exciting players the rest of the summer that's what the Bills want you to think but when he gets moved to the backup running back spot and we have to start talking about him (laughs) On the handcuffing show, right? Then you're going to be yes, all that is the true. sports. <laughs> yeah, the white, he's going to be the Isaiah Likely of wide receivers. He's going to be backing up DeAndre Hopkins. I'm like, okay, when do we take Gabe Davis? Because what happens if DeAndre Hopkins gets hurt or takes steroids again? You know, uh, that'll mm. be really that'll be that'll be worse than last summer's Gabe Davis conversation if we have to talk about his contingent value upside on the Bills. We got a hundred days, buddy. We can do it. We can do it for a hundred days. <laughs> It is true. A hundred days and a hundred days. Does that feel like a lot or a little to you? It feels like a little because I'm like in my head today when I saw that it was exactly a hundred days. I'm like, how am I going to get all these drafts in, especially with this Vegas trip? And I'm just like, shit, I already feel behind the eight ball. And I'm not even like not drafting. Right. Right. It's just. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it feels like a little. And I'm like, shit, if I do end up maxing out all these contests, I'm going to be doing. Some days, probably in August, where I'm drafting four or five teams per site per day. And God, I can't wait for that. That's going to be exciting. <laughs> it is. It is. It's funny because you know that we're, uh, it's probably pretty fitting theme for this show that we are sickos when the NFL, you know, the, the big narrative, everybody, Schefter and all these guys are tweeting 100 days till the NFL season. And all I can think about is, okay, if I'm going to max this contest and this contest and this contest, right, how many drafts am I, do I have to average per day before the NFL season? And that is, I don't recommend that for anyone that's going to draft a lot of teams because it, it is a very daunting uh, 
uh, conclusion that you'll come to about how many teams you have to draft. But I, what I will say is I enjoy, so I haven't been drafting a ton. Like last year, by this point, I had drafted more teams than I have drafted so far. Uh, part mm-hmm. of a couple of that are technical issues on the DraftKings uh, side of things, uh, account related issues. No, I'm not cheating or anything like that, but um, just uh, some, some technical things on the DraftKings side. And then um, it's also a little bit strategic. Um, and I, I want to kind of be uh, barbelling ish, but I wasn't really able to at the very beginning of these contests open. So I'm trying, I'm just trying to kind of make sure I'm a little bit more cognizant instead of just completely and utterly firing away. But, uh, and I know I will enjoy like that first, you know, there's something about like, you haven't drafted a ton. It's time to start firing baby. Like you said, I'm, hit 10 drafts today, 10 drafts tomorrow, sit at home on a weekend. Maybe the wife goes, goes out with her friends or something. And you're just sitting, having a cocktail, you know, ripping underdog drafts. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. The problem becomes you can't do that every day for the whole, for like the whole summer, your, your brain turns to mush. And so I'm dreading the end of the summer when it's like, Oh, still got a hundred drafts to go. And the, Season starts in a week and a half. Like, good luck, dude. Good luck. Time to start firing. The poodle, too, really helped me out, is what I'll say in that aspect, because that's when I started multi-tabling again. I was just, Mm -hmm. like, firing two drafts at once. I was like, okay, I have my rhythm back in. I kind of know my pockets at this point. So I'm ready. I mean, so if anyone moves up or down, we're we're ready. We, We have everything else in place. So I feel comfortable with the drafts again now. So I'm I'm ready to uh, start banging out these drafts throughout the summer. Totally agree. And the best thing about being able to bang out all these drafts for the rest of the summer is that I'm so excited about where we're at with the tools for Spike Week. So I just want to get that plug in here also because it's a pretty fitting segue in particularly with what we built with the, the draft hacker, which for anyone not familiar is essentially our overlays you know, a HUD, a caddy, whatever the heck you want to you wanna call it. It overlays in- the information that you want to see during your draft onto your draft screen. And it is an absolute game changer in everything that we've done. And shout out to, to Hacker, uh, who is uh, our behind the scenes guy, just absolutely crushing it. And I don't think I can go back to drafting how I drafted before, say two years ago, now having used... This tool, it is a part of the Spike Week Premium subscription, which you can get. Go to there, there's a link in the description to go to go get it. We have a monthly option um, if you kind of just want to test drive it or just use it for these months over the summer. And then we have an NFL package, which will get which will get you a little savings um, on the the total amount that you would spend for the entire NFL season, because that'll of course cover you for playoff best ball, in season best ball. You can still see all your exposures and everything and track them and sweat them during the season, which I found amazing last year but the overlays are just absolutely killer um the amount of options if you want to see something while you draft right like absolutely any option is available for you to customize and see any correlation any exposure across every tournament player combination exposures the age of every single player just like absolutely anything you want to see is in these tools and so i'm really excited to uh really start like you said multi-tabling and diving into these drafts so make sure if you're uh, getting serious about best ball this summer. I, I am clearly biased, but I, I, we've built stuff 
only that we want to use. This isn't like we're shilling some product that we don't care about. We built these tools because this is specifically what we want to use and we think best ball players want to use in drafts. So if you're getting ready to fire away this summer, I highly recommend checking it out. You can also get a free month if you want to test it out and you have not signed up for drafters. You see in the upper, this one, in the upper corner of your screen, if you use promo code SPIKE on drafters, you can get a free month to test it out. That's for new depositors only. Sorry if you already have an account. You're shit out of luck. But um, that that is our, our little bit of housekeeping. It's time to get into some well, of these breakout players. Me, Go ahead. Let me just say that with the tools, and not to just keep pushing them, but being able to do the, the first three player, like your first three draft pick combinations and QB combos just to see your percentage with other players literally changed the way I drafted last year for for the better. So yep. You don't have to do that. That's not a, a setting you have to have on there. But for me, if nothing else, that is the absolute number one thing for me is the player combinations between those first three, between generally my first quarterback take, and I don't so much do it with my second, but you could. So there, there's just a it, – it just makes you so cognizant of the teams you're drafting and maybe some of the things you're falling into. It's really easy to stumble into – taking the same players every single time and taking the same players with other pl- like you'll always be able to see right i'm just taking for me right i'm taking damian harris a lot i'm cognizant of that but like i don't need a tool to to show me that but i do need a tool to show me like what do my teams look like with other like do all my damian harris teams have rashad penny on them as well because like mm-hmm. of course i like both of those guys but i don't want I- i'm trying to take a stand on this one player i don't want to uh unknowingly also take a stand on another player with him right the point of taking that stand on uh like so i like i keep uh referencing two years ago felix who won the DraftKings millie you know took a massive massive stand on cooper cup he took a stand on a handful of different guys but like he took like 75 percent cooper cup you don't want to ruin that stand by not getting some other right by not getting uh mark andrews with him and you just so happen to find out once we get to the season, you're like, oh, my God, Cooper Cup is a smash. I should be dominating. But you don't have any Mark Andrews. Or right. last year, you don't have, you drafted Josh Jacobs like crazy. You find out you have Josh Jacobs, but you don't have any A.J. Brown with him. Like, you, you know, it's just an easy way to, to do that. And it, like you said, it's totally changed the way I play best ball and the way I draft my teams for the better, for sure, for, for the better. Uh, maybe it'll get me away from uh, uh, things with, with say, a, a, a Gabe Davis or, or the Denver Broncos or, or these types of guys. But uh, let's start on yeah. some of these, these bounce-back guys. So what we're going to talk about here today is I, everybody, I think, mostly understands what a, we would classify as a bounce-back player or a post-hype sleeper, right? Someone who, generally speaking, we, not just Rob or I or you guys, the collective fantasy football industry, uh, believed into some level of confidence um again you saw you see on the thumbnail you see russell wilson and gabe davis i thought they were probably two of the most fitting guys for last season the broncos in in general who to some level uh to varying different levels disappointed based on where they were drafted last year and thus now this year are much cheaper um and now the whole point of this conversation is not just to say Here's the guys who I I love to bounce back. There also can be some of these guys who are potential bounce back candidates who neither Rob or I or you guys in the chat, if you have opinions, please, by all means, share them. Maybe like, 
no, you know, Russell Wilson isn't going to bounce back. Like he's a bounce back candidate, but is he actually going to bounce back? So we're just going to go through kind of a lot of the different situations of which there are many uh, that could be potential bounce back spots because it can be really valuable to consider the fact that last year we were drafting Gabe Davis in the fourth round. Almost nothing has changed, assuming no DeAndre Hopkins. And now he goes, you know, in the 80s, right? Last year, we were drafting the Broncos like absolute crazy. All the Broncos were expensive, and I was drafting them too. And now outside of Jerry Judy, they're all dirt cheap. And so it's it's one season, and of course it, it has value. We need to take into account what happened last season. But also sometimes shit happens, man. Like it, it could have just been one fluky year. We did see someone like Russ bounce back a little bit. We did see Gabe Davis have some big games, even though his end of the season line was not amazing. And so we just want to dig a little bit into some of those because – you know, if we remove last year and we just look at the prices on some of these guys, it's possible we've overreacted a little bit to 2022. And there's some guys that might bounce back, and it's going to be my first guy that we still might not want to draft at a high clip because they were so overvalued last year. Right. So I'll just kick this off and I'm going to start with the quarterback position. And you bring up Russ, which is a great one. The one that I think is going to bounce back the most probably, and I still don't know if I'm going to draft him a ton, is Herbert, right? Mm. Justin Herbert was the quarterback three off the board generally last year. I didn't want to take him. I didn't think he was going to end as the QB 12 overall in fantasy (laughs) points. He was QB 13 for fantasy points per game. Lamar was a little ahead of him on that, but Lamar got hurt. So Herbert actually obviously scored more than him. But Herbert has, in the quarterback position, so weird that even though he's where he's supposed to be, it still feels too high because he's going around like the fifth round right now, like in that just after Joe Burrow and Lamar and, well, Lamar's moving up, but you know what I mean? Like, yep, he, he's almost his own tier with Trevor Lawrence. Like he Herbert is, and Trevor. And Lawrence is falling a little bit too, so he is almost becoming his own tier. Right. So – it's I'm pretty sure Herbert's not going to finish as QB 12 again. Right. Like I think we can all agree that that's probably not a likely thing. He's going to be higher than that, but is he still too high is the question. So that's where I'm kind of trying to figure out. So I do think he bounces back, but I don't know if I'm going to be drafting him a ton. I just, I just don't know if I can pull the trigger still. Where are you at with that? He's such a good one. I'm glad you brought him up because I, quite frankly, I'm going through the list and uh, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the most polarizing guy and even his underperformance has really never been talked about at -hmm. all since the season. It was just kind of like, yeah, it wasn't perfect, but like, whatever he didn't like, he didn't rust level bomb. So like we haven't, you know, and he didn't, another team will definitely get to, he didn't Patriots level bomb, right? Just the whole team tanks out. And so it was like, yeah, whatever Herbert is Herbert, but he really did underperform. He didn't, he didn't offer you, major upside this is definitely a thing that we're going to get into as well today um that i'm also gonna i should i guess put this in the housekeeping but we have a we have a a player stats page and tool which i believe is free on the the website i should know that but i'm pretty sure it's free but you can go see kind of more best ball focused stats as opposed to just right the go to pro football reference or even go to uh, i like to use you know fantasy pros to look at game logs and stuff like that that's helpful and to see where they ranked right in points, fantasy points per game and stuff like that. But also mm-hmm. seeing 
how many spike weeks did these guys have? How many? We call them nuclear weeks. So uh, a spike week is is essentially like we call it one standard deviation above the average score. You know the the what a, what a usable week would be, which is just making the lineup right. If you make your lineup, that you know you get a usable score. A spike week is basically a standard deviation above that, and then a nuclear week is two standard deviations above that, meaning. You went, you just dunked on the whole field. You scored a ton more in that week than everybody else does. And Herbert just didn't really do anything. <laughs> like right. he, he was like, he, again, his even the, the QB 12 thing, that can be a difficult, like, kind of uh, uh, thing to, to say, like, oh, okay, he was QB 12. He was drafted as, frankly, he was drafted as QB 2, which was kind of crazy last year. And we did talk about that. Neither you or I were drafting him last oh. year. So shout out to us. But like, he had, he had zero nuclear weeks. So for reference, Josh Allen, who, you know, Jalen Hurts dunked on basically and Mahomes kind of matched. Josh Allen still had three nuclear weeks. Patrick Mahomes had two. Jalen Hurts had four. Uh, excuse me, Patrick Mahomes had three. Even Lamar had two and he didn't even play most of the year, right? The, like Joe Burrow had two. These guys are still putting up huge weeks. And then they're also putting up like Josh Allen had 11 spike weeks. Like, why is Josh Allen valuable? Because 75% of the time when he plays, you get you get a spike week at the quarterback right. position. That's even though it's not a huge difference maker in quarterback points. Justin Herbert had zero nuclear weeks and two spike weeks. Two the whole season. He, he didn't help you at all. And yet no one is talking about this. Right. And we've just kind of we've lowered his price a little bit, especially relative to the elite quarterbacks. And so I'm in this weird spot where he's probably the player I know what to do with least maybe in the whole player pool. So I'm glad we kind of started with him because I can see it. The price is depressed. He's going in a spot now in the draft where like, I mean, I, who the, who is there that you really love? I'm sure some people have a guy or something like that, but like, I kind of like the tight ends there. I can talk myself into some of these other players. They're fine. But he's in a spot where the opportunity cost is not very great. Last year, the opportunity cost was massive, and we saw him ruin you because of that opportunity cost. Now, if we do, right, they drafted Quentin Johnston. Eckler's going to be back. Offensive line is still going to be pretty good. He theoretically is getting better. Mike Williams and Keenan are back. He's in a spot now where I think I probably should be drafting him, but I still can't really click that button. Um, and so that's why I'm really struggling with him because I don't want to anchor to last year, but I also it, last year kind of confirmed, <laughs> confirmed my priors, you know, so I'm struggling with that aspect of was I just right and I'm still right about him and he needs to fall even more or now is this the appropriate price where we can really benefit from a potential bounce back? Yeah, it's that perfect storm of all quarterbacks get moved up and he's actually getting moved back versus last year's price. And I think Jack Long in the chat brings up the the best point where he says he likes Herbert over Lawrence at cost. And it's and I think that's a decision you have to be making. Like I like Lawrence over Herbert at cost, personally. I'm not mm -hmm. gonna argue against Herbert over Lawrence. Like I I mean, to me, it's you're flipping coins almost at that point. So I kind of like Lawrence a little bit better. I like his weapons like a smidge more, like I guess, with Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk. But Keenan Allen, Mike Williams is theoretically just as good. Quentin Johnson could be something. I'm not going to have zero Herbert this year, but I he's a guy that I have to be targeting in a draft to get. I'm never just like, oh, I'll just take Josh. Uh, I'll just take Herbert here, right? Like it, you're just not doing that. It's... I have to be mindful of the fact that I need to take him occasionally. 
it's just it's still probably going to be underweight to the fields, even though I think he's going to bounce back. Like he is going to bounce back this year, in my opinion. He is going to finish as a top 10 quarterback. And I know that's only like saying that he's going up two spots, but it's two spots. Tom Brady finished better than him last year. <laughs> that yeah, he was the, and if we look at uh, I'm just going to share it really quickly because it's easier to to uh, uh, talk it through when it's on the screen here. But again, here's our player stats. Let me zoom in just a little bit. And uh, so you see, you know, we have it sorted. Obviously, here's last year, 2022, like kind of best ball focus stats. Right. So you see over here, nuclear weeks and spike weeks and usable weeks and all that different different stuff. I did not mean to click on dud weeks there but shout out to davis mills for having the most uh dud <laughs> weeks uh you know so josh allen just crushing right patrick mahomes jalen hurts as you'd expect just crushing joe burrow frankly was was pretty much joe burrow was like a a lesser version of those guys you know he did have the nuclear upside but this, you see six spike weeks compared to like 12 for hurts so that's just the difference of a guy who runs how easy it is to get a spike week when you run relative to someone like Burrow, but even as you mentioned, so like from a points per game perspective or total points, you know, he's QB 10, QB 12, QB whatever, based on which players you remove and such like that's always also part of the difficulty with points per game is, you know, who do you remove based on how many games they played and, and all of that. But if we look at like total points added, meaning, uh, you know, how many points did he add to your team above what, you know, just any average quarterback would right here's what the usable quarterback score is for that week how many points did he add above over the course of the entire the entire season he was even worse in that and that which that is really like the metric we care at least for like total best ball point scoring how many points are you adding to my if i can just replace you with anybody you know whether you finish as the qb12 or the qb16 who cares but if you're also not ever adding anything to my lineup right like Joe Burrow was still adding points to your lineup, like a lot. He was the QB four yeah. in total points added, right? And I mean, sh- Lamar Jackson was the QB seven in total points added. He-, he was way higher than Justin Herbert, and he didn't even play all the games. And so um, there's just there's just no way around it. And saying that Herbert was really bad last year, um, and and I think his archetype really is kind of that Lawrencey uh, type archetype where. He's gonna have to run hot, right? Like the Brady's, the Staffords, Rogers. They can have those big years when they throw for forty-five touchdowns, absolutely. And they run for a couple, right? Brady notoriously was the QB sneak guy uh, that would boost his his scoring a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 hurts before before the butt uh, the the tush push was yeah. uh, was Brady was actually like a real man QB sneaking in there. Um, but that those guys got to have like there is no room for error on like touchdowns and stuff like that with a guy like Herbert. And I don't like to spend a premium pick on those guys. But the only thing I was going to say to wrap the Herbert thing is uh, you and I talked how important double stacking can be in, in particular, some double stacks that are under owned a couple of weeks ago on our Monday night show. And that one has stuck with me a little bit as it pertains to Herbert, because premium chargers double stacks are like, non-existent in these tournaments yeah. because Mike Williams, Keenan Allen and uh, Justin Herbert all go right next to each other. And then it feels like people forget about double stacking the chargers. Even if they take Eckler, it's like every stack of the chargers includes Quentin Johnston or Gerald Everett. Cause it's, remember, it's, it's the, Oh shit stack that we talk about. Right. They're like, yeah. uh, Oh, I took Herbert, but Oh shit. I don't have any other chargers. I gotta, I gotta take Quentin Johnston. I gotta take Gerald Everett. Maybe I'm taking Josh Palmer was showing up on the list more than like Keenan Allen. And so, I think it's a good example of 
You don't have to be overweight Herbert, right? When we flip the cards over and we say, look at our player exposures, we don't have to get overweight Herbert to the, you can be underweight Herbert to the field, but use those bullets in a smart way by doing things like, let's just figure out how to, I'll, I'll reach on Keenan and then take Michael, you know, take Herbert and Mike Williams or reach on all three of them or take Eckler and reach on one of the wide receivers and then take Herbert and build my Chargers teams in such a way that like if Herbert's really going to bounce back and kind of crush, go back up into the top five quarterbacks or something like that, what do you think is going to happen? It's not Josh Palmer. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's not. <laughs> it's probably not Gerald Everett. I'm not saying you can't throw Gerald Everett on at the end but it, it's, it's Keenan, it's Mike Williams, it's Eckler, right? It's those guys. And so I want to be like, how do I, when I'm right about this on this Herbert team, I want to maximize those teams, but maybe I don't want to have 15% Herbert in a vacuum because he may not in a vacuum be the absolute best bet at quarterback. Yeah. And I think that's probably the way to play Herbert is to focus on double stacking him. And this is for another show in the future. What I was thinking about today was, cmc teams and how i think almost of all the players drafted in the first round cmc's probably got the same first three picks start with cmc two wide receivers right so the way to play the cmc teams might be to take cmc whoever you want t higgins will say is there and then grab keenan allen come back around the next few picks and take mike williams and herbert maybe so that's just kind of one of the things I was thinking. I think I think the way to play Herbert is going to be to hyper-focus on double-stacking him and con- making sure you get those unique double-stacks that no one else is getting. And then if you don't keep doing that, there's no point in drafting him is kind of yep. the way I feel. And, like, he's also the kind of guy you just want to double-stack, right? He's more of a pocket passer, and he's a reasonable athlete. And uh, I think someone mentioned it. Uh, Jack Jack also mentioned it. You know, he's young and athletic enough to get some rushing TDs, which he did two years ago, I believe, which is also part of why he didn't have a great year last year. But like, he's also not the guy you want to be banking on a bunch of rushing TDs. You know, this is we saw that problem last year that like he can run for some. And so that's gravy. You're hoping for it. But you don't want to bank on seven Justin Herbert rushing TDs in order to right. get you there. You know what I mean? Um, Cause it's, it's probably not in his bag in most seasons. I want to move to my first one and I'm cheating a smidge, but it's, it's your, your, your hometown team. And I'm not trying to bring up a, uh, I'm not trying to rub salt in any wound after that Celtics uh, performance for a uh, Boston fan, but maybe this is the opposite. Cause I'm going to be positive about a Boston team, which is also very hard for me. But the the New England Patriots are a team who I probably would not have said two months ago or a month ago that like would end up being on a lot of my teams um, this season because, you know, it doesn't look very good. (laughs) I'm not I'm not the world's biggest Mac Jones fan. Uh, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne. I I wasn't a big Tyquan Thornton fan like as a prospect. Um Jacoby Myers is even gone and they replaced him with a worse version of Jacoby Myers in Juju. You know, Mike Kosicki is not particularly a, a special talent. You know, there's just not a lot. Now they did, obviously we do, we're going to see how much the, the offensive <laughs> Tweedledee and Tweedledum Colin plays last year, uh, how much that impacted them and how much the upgrade to Bill O'Brien will be. Also don't think they're completely out of the running for someone like 
like a DeAndre Hopkins. I think they're very much a dark horse, but I don't think it's completely and utterly out of the realm of possibility. Don't, don't that, put that, that on us. I know. <laughs> I know. And I and I before everyone jumps on me, I know that and I love Bill, Hopkins. I know that him and Bill O'Brien ha- uh have a bad a bad pass, but there there's been a bunch of articles and stuff about how uh, they'd probably be willing to put set that aside if it made sense. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. But two years ago, uh the Patriots were like by many metrics a top 10 offense in the NFL. With this, what was the difference between that personnel? It was still Jacoby, it was Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne, right? And Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith and Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. And, and it was Matt Jones. Now, after a down year, and trust me, I also witnessed the down year and that shit was a goddamn train wreck in New England last year. And I understand being more down on them. They are the cheapest offense in all of best ball. Now we've gone too far the other way. And so from a bounce back perspective, they don't even have to bounce back that much to help you in best ball back. Jones doesn't even get drafted in every single draft. Hunter Henry, who doesn't get drafted in most drafts, nonetheless, every single draft, all the wider, the, the most expensive wide receiver is Juju. Who's the one who I don't even want. Right. I don't even, I don't even <laughs> want I'm going to Taekwon Thornton. Apparently I'm the only one drafting him because his ADP just sits in the mid one eighties, even though I take him in like on like every, on like every team. If you want to do the Gasicki thing, I see paths to upside for Gasicki. I like everybody likes Ramondre. I like Ramondre too, but no one, no other running back besides Ramondre gets drafted, right? Whether you're a J Rob guy or a Pierre strong guy or Kevin Harris or whatever, there's just like the whole offense is you could put together like a mega Patriot stack with your last four picks. And like, there's no other offense that you that you can do that with. And we're one year removed from them actually being a really good offense. Like, not just like better than what we're projecting them in fantasy right now, but like legitimately a significantly above average NFL real life offense. And I'm not saying I'm predicting them to to bounce back. It could be bad. Maybe Max sucks. These receivers don't look very good. But like, that didn't matter two years ago. So why are we so anchored to last year for the Patriots when they've got a new coordinator, they have a little bit of new weaponry in the offense and they've been good before. So th- th- if I were to make like a flag plant of a bounce back um, for best ball specifically, I think it would probably just be the Patriots offense because it's so easy to, to, to win with them as picks. It's like the easiest win in all of drafts right now. Yeah, and Tyquan Thornton is prob is like the perfect, the quintessential round 16, 17 guy. He's 4-240. He's gonna get you games where maybe even two or three times during the year. And that's all you need from like a round 16 or 17. We talk about auction value, right? Round 16, 17 players are a dollar. If I told you that you could spend a dollar on a player that's gonna hit your lineup like three times a year and you don't have to start him because it's best ball, you'd be like, yeah, sign me up. I'll take him. Tyquan Thornton is the guy right there for me. I, I'm grabbing him a ton too. I do the backdoor, the backdoor oh shit stacks with the Patriots because <laughs> they, of the are the, they are the easiest oh shit stack of all time. Yeah, it's just so easy. You can grab either of the tight ends. Like you said, you can grab Tyquan Thornton. I am not taking Juju because God, why would you? And you can still... And I'm still fine stacking Mac Jones with Ramondre if I have Ramondre. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, like, that, that stuff's fine for me. So, I, I mean, I think they – look, 
it's almost cheating because they have to bounce back based on what they did last year, right? Like it's just it's impossible to be can't be worse. They were last year. <laughs> like famous, just... famous last words always are. It this can't be worse, right? I, I, I mean, don't. We'll, we'll, I don't the, know how it gets worse though. I really don't know. The question is how much better is it going to be? And I I don't think it's going to be insanely significant strides, but I think there's value, right? So like there, mm-hmm. it's not. They're not a dead team to me. I talk about dead teams all the time. And the, the caveat's always the tight end position because I'll still grab a tight end on a bad team. But there are some dead teams to me out there, and the Patriots are not one of them. Raiders are dead to me, right? Oh God. boy. So like the, the anti-bounce back has to be if we're gonna go the opposite direction, it's gotta it's, be the Raiders. It's gonna be a train wreck this year over there. Like it, it's just going to be bad. So, the, and their value is too high. Devontae's in the first, Josh Jacobs in the second. So, yeah, the anti Raiders team is the Patriots, where you're getting these 17th, 18th round guys. Are they going to be guys that should be first or second rounders next year? No, but they probably should be like 10th, 11th round picks in that in that mix with with Tyquan Thornton. The tight end position is so depressed that like whatever. But Mac Jones is probably way undervalued. I would say. I totally agree. And I know some people, uh, Boutte, uh, you know, was certainly a much better prospect, uh, you know, coming into LSU and even before this season has had a, had a pretty disastrous LSU career. And, and, you know, if you wanted to, but if like not exactly a lot of competition in the Patriots uh, wide receiver room, if, if he figures it out, uh, I don't see a problem with taking him, especially on DraftKings in 20 rounds or something like that. I don't see, a problem with that. I did want to hit a couple of, I did like, I did like some of the, I've, I haven't looked at the data yet. So um, forgive me if I'm uh, misspeaking. It's possible that, uh, you know, this isn't that unique, but I do think it's interesting. You can do a CMC start and then get two of those two, three turn running backs, but you're done. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm drafting I'm drafting a three running back team and just banking on those three guys. And then, you know, I'm going to have 11 wide receivers or something like that on, on that team. Um, and I think that that's also another way to go. Like it's just extremes, right? When like, you can't just draft these balanced teams that everyone else is draft. I'm not saying you can't, you don't want to go overboard on drafting a ton of these balanced teams in the same structures that everyone else is building with the same player combinations that right. everyone else is building. So that's really the thing. So yeah, I think a, like a, I, I will have probably have a few of like CMC, Pollard, Ramondre, or some yeah. something you know some something like that. But then it's like I'm done. And like, you're done. Please, please, please stay healthy, and I'm gonna have to drop a million. Tyquan Thornton is gonna be on that team, but you know Tyquan's gonna be on that team, and so uh, with Mac um, Jones for the double. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We got the Mac Jones. Um, I can already envision it. There's, there's DJ Moore in Fields, <laughs> Mac Jones, and Taekwon. Yeah. It's going to be a, a total, a total uh, shit show. I did just want to welcome, Ma- welcome, Maverick Steeler, new to the show. Thank you. Thank you for joining. We uh, appreciate you. Um, yeah. And then I wanted to pull up the uh, Cobra Kai was saying other teams that are dead to the anti bounce back teams, the Cardinals, the Raiders and the, the bucks, a little bit of Trey McBride. I think, you know, a little bit of bucks, I think are fine too. The Cardinals are very, are very difficult. You can see, you can see the upside with like a lot of these players in a vacuum, but also from a macro perspective, it doesn't feel, it doesn't, it, they're, they feel very Patriotsy of this season where there's some talented players and maybe they've been good before, 
but uh, the the general environment for those teams is just it's it's bad, dude. I mean, there's no really way around it. Kyler and the Cardinal, Kyler, no Kyler. Cardinals are a disaster. Raiders clearly a disaster. Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield with <laughs> the Bucks, all disasters. Absolutely disasters. I'm going to move to the tight end position, and I'm probably stealing this from you, but I don't care because I can do that. <laughs> but one of the biggest underperformers last year at tight end was Kyle Pitts. Injured, right? Get, oh, gets boy. hurt. Drafted as tight end three, going extremely high in drafts. And he finished as like the tight end 14 overall, which doesn't matter because he wasn't on the field for you at all Mm -hmm. when it mattered. But I think that the Falcons are going to be better this year. And, you know, they bring in Bijan, which I think is a terrible pick, but they bring in (laughs) Bijan for the team. They they're going to be run focused, but I think they're going to concentrate targets heavily on Drake London and Kyle Pitts this year. Like, it's what makes sense for this team. So, like, you're going to see target share numbers that are going to be high. Like, super high for those two guys, I think. Now, it's relative to the amount of passes thrown, blah, 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 blah. But I still think that the opportunity is going to be there for Kyle Pitts. And I think I'm probably not grabbing enough of him at his price right now. And I should be getting more of him than I am and working him in. I've been doing a lot of Goddard because of Jalen Hurts stacks and stuff like that, but I think I need to be mixing Kyle Pitts in a little bit more. So I think Kyle Pitts is probably going to be the best bounce back tight end. This is the year for him. He either does something this year or he's essentially never going to do it in my mind. Like he has to do it this year or he's just never going to be close to what we thought he was going to be. I don't even know if he's ever going to be that, but I'm, I'm going to grab Pitts a little bit more. Some excellent comments in the chat. Lazy Fish Breeder says, Pitcher feels like Lucy with the football, <laughs> but I'm starting to grab him. Amen to that one. I know. I'm uh, Clearly, I am uh, I'm Charlie Brown. Let's just say that every year for three months over the course of the summer, I'm Charlie Brown and all these players are, uh, are, are Lucy with the football for, for sure. And this is a good one from Ken. Buying Pitts is an annual tradition. He gets two rounds cheaper each year. So we're going to get eighth round uh, Kyle Pitts next year after another dud. But I, I, honestly, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I'm going to kind of start at the end. But I've actually been starting to plan a little bit more of my drafting around the fact that George Kittle is a late fifth round pick and even sometimes might fall to the early sixth. And the fact that Kyle Pitts is an early sixth round pick. And so I, I kind of know that if I still want to get an elite tight end, that's not obviously Kelsey in the first, but is not Andrews or Hawkinson. I can get those guys around again. We talked about that dead zone of the draft where that's why Herbert makes sense there. Well, now we got George Kittle and Kyle Pitts going there. And so um, I'm trying to just be cognizant of that, and I will be overweight both Kittle and and Pitts, both because I like them, but also because they go in this range where I don't like anybody. <laughs> so I might as well take the elite high upside tight end. But I, I totally agree on Pitts. I also think Pitts is one of those guys that um, clearly was has been very frustrating for a couple of years. And trust me, as a person who drafted a lot of him, uh, I had a team, uh, Pete and I's team, that made the Best Ball Mania 2 finals had Kyle Pitts. We were one of the only teams that had Kyle Pitts. Everybody had Mark Andrews and he mm-hmm. caught like a 70 yard 
it wasn't a touchdown, but he caught like a 70 yard bomb and pulled his, pulled his hamstring, you know? God, so we, we, <laughs> we got, we got the, we got the full Kyle Pitts experience there in uh, week 17, two years ago. And then obviously last year was just disastrous, but it wasn't disastrous because of Kyle Pitts. It was disastrous because of his situation and not even just his situation. They threw him the ball. They threw him the ball. Mariota was just awful, horrible, horrible. Kyle Pitts. And I think the fact I I apologize. Somebody has has tweeted. This was probably like Harditz or Dwayne McFarland or, you know, one of those smart, those, those smart guys to post some really good kind of general football stats on, on Twitter. So I apologize for uh, whoever I'm quoting and not citing you, but was like something like, 30 to it was somewhere like between 30 to 40 percent of Kyle Pitts's targets were uncatchable. Yeah, that's like he had the highest uncatchable rate, I think, in the in the in the league. It's something around that that general idea. And and so Mariota like, was at like 26 or 27 percent or something in that range yeah. overall, which is right. Mind I mean, yeah, at one out of every four passes, it, not not off target. uncatchable like it's uncatchable it's physically not possible for the biggest mutant of all mutant tight end of all time like calvin johnson couldn't catch it like nobody randy moss could not catch that pass that's how bad it was and so he was getting open i'd also want to share quickly about pitzel a little bit i think his uh his uh season goes a little bit you know because it was so disappointing based on what our expectations were uh so this is just kind of a uh you know a data table or whatever but you see kyle pitts here uh at the the uh second among among tight ends so despite the fact that uh you know we thought he really really saw oh, this is 2021 excuse me let me i screwed it up let me go to 2022 but in 2021 you saw he was second in total air yards amongst all all tight ends last year in just 10 games Right, he was what's that sixth, sixth in in total air yards amongst tight ends. Sixth in ten in ten games air yard percentage. Obviously, he's going to be very high. Hawkinson, Andrews, Pitts, and uh, Hawkinson's a little skewed because when players move teams, it gets a little funky. But basically, he was and he was way higher than Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey had twenty four percent of his team air yards. Kyle Pitts had thirty one. Now, of course, the fact that they don't throw a lot is is part of this issue right but if you get any form of volume uptick the guy was out there playing he's out there running rats routes he's getting high value targets i know that the red zone stuff was was annoying for a little bit but they did scheme him up some stuff in the red zone of course Mariota didn't connect with him he could have had a much much better season pre-injury if just a couple of those passes broke his way. There's a there's a highlight reel that I saw going around on Twitter that was like all the uncatchable passes of Kyle Pitts and like yeah. we're talking yes. like he missed he missed Odell's out on like, dad put it together. Yeah, yeah. He was he 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 missed out on like a uh, a bunch of 50-yard like touchdowns. Yeah. And it's like if any of those connect, it, we're just looking at him in a very different light and like I want to buy those guys. Uh, yeah. Like the talent's not the issue. Opportunity is not the issue. You just need Ritter to not throw every pass uncatchable <laughs> to him. And like, I, and, and you don't even need that much of a change, right? We're, we're doing this with the bears or like, Oh, we really need the bears to throw a lot more. And yes, we do. But like, we actually don't need the Falcons to throw that much more. We just need them to stay how they're doing and throwing it to those two guys. And we just need it to not be Mariota back there throwing. And like, I'm into that big time because they're the only two guys we're drafting from that passing game, right? We're drafting Pitts, we're drafting Drake London. Is are you grabbing anyone else ever from the Falcons? Like, no, 
No. I am. So you want to talk about a team that I am one-offing? I'm either grabbing London or Pitts. I haven't. I don't think I've grabbed them both together yet. Maybe once. I don't. I don't even know if I've done it yet to stack with Ritter. It's just. It feels like such a great bet to have one of those two guys on your team because I think one of them is going to be, you know, they're going to pay off their ADP plus some. It's just, is it going to be London or is it going to be Pitts? Pitts is more valuable because of the position. If he does pay off his ADP plus, mm-hmm. like you're you're rocket shipping. And I like London more probably like just like in a personal st- stance because that's a spot that I like to grab wide receivers is that fifth round. But Pitts is probably the better play overall just based on position and what he can do for separation purposes against the field. And people are mentioning, uh, you know, they did sign Mac Hollins and some, yeah. some last round Mac Collins. I mean, I, I, I understand it, but uh, Mac Collins had basically one big week um, last year, an absolutely insane week that he had uh, last year, like 200 yards or something. If I, if I recall, but uh, dip, little different, little different situation playing for the Falcons and Desmond Ritter than uh, with the Raiders in, but, but I get it. I'm, I'm not really, I'm not going to throw shade on uh a dart throw kind of downfield wide receiver in the last round. Yeah. If you're, du- if you're doubling, whatever, like if you're, if you got Ritter and you just want to double stack and grab Mac Hollins or you're just taking a flyer, I mean, it's fine, but you're never going out of your way being like, shit, I need Mac Hollins on this team. <laughs> yeah, no, right? no, 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 so. no. Uh, this is, this is definitely true. Arthur Smith has a, has a type. I think we've, we've figured out go yeah. if when uh, Kyle Pitts, Drake London and Arthur and, uh, 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 Matt Collins like walk out together somewhere. It's like these all six, six, 240 pound mutants, uh, out there. And then of course he doesn't throw the ball to them. Uh, he runs it. He runs it with, uh, Caleb Huntley or whatever. Um, but know. another, another similar wide receiver who I am just going to get this one. We're, we're going to get this, uh, out of, <laughs> that's good. Clip the Rob, uh, Rob Hollins, Rob, uh, Matt Collins takes, <laughs> we're, we're just gonna get the we're gonna get the other downfield flyer out of the way, and it is uh, assuming again we're giving the DeAndre Hopkins. We're assuming nothing with DeAndre Hopkins happens with the Bills. If DeAndre Hopkins does not go to the Bills, I really do believe Gabe Davis is undervalued this year. I think you could obviously make the case last year that he was overvalued, and certainly he did not perform to the level of you know being steamed all the way up to the wide receiver 17 but i also think he's a little bit like Pitts in the sense that because the just the 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 conversation around him was so outrageous and and nobody was being um really very serious and wanted to you know it was it was so it was so just toxic everything around gabe davis so the fact that he didn't you know like totally break out and have a monster season everyone views his season as much worse than it actually was and so in just in total points, right, he was the wide receiver 23 compared to being drafted as the wide receiver 17. So if we're doing that, okay, not great, but not awful. Now points per, that that was cumulative points. You know, we, we look at points per game or points added. He was worse, but like from a points added perspective, again, we're talking about total points added wide receiver 28. That's not great, but let's look really quickly at some of those other wide receivers that went in that range last year. Remember Allen Robinson? Total points added. Wide receiver 66. Okay. Was, was I supposed to draft him? Remember Brandon Cooks? Total points added. Wide receiver 39. Worse, right? Like, 
even like Terry McLaurin, who went around there, total points added, wide receiver 19. He was a little bit better, but was he like a stone cold smash? No, he was just like, fine, you're fine. You know, he had one big week, one nuclear week, seven spike weeks. When we look at Gabe, he had two nuclear weeks and five spike weeks. Like he helped, he still helped you. He was not, if you lost on a team that had Gabe Davis, he wasn't the reason that you lost. Did he, did he necessarily help you win? No, of course not. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't like carrying you through the playoffs. He wasn't the Cooper cup smash of old, but he still provided big games. He provided a bunch of usable scores. And clearly we saw in the one week when he did drop 30 something fantasy points or whatever it was, he had the level of upside on a weekly basis that can set, that can absolutely take you over the top. And so I agree that that old price last year was probably a little bit hefty and very meme-ish. He was the expensive Sky Moore or something, if you will. But now that is adjusted, right? So even if you get last year's Gabe Davis, right? He doesn't improve, you know, he doesn't get it. You know, doesn't score any more touchdowns. Nothing in particular changes about Gabe Davis. You get the wide receiver 33 in points per game added. Would you like to guess what wide receiver number in ADP he is drafted this year? Uh, 32. 40. 40. So even, I was going to say yeah, 37. He's first. the wide receiver 40, and that's he's risen a little bit. Uh, not a lot, but he's risen uh, a little bit up there. He's the wide receiver 40 by ADP, and even if you get last year's, you get, you get he outperforms that, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have, we have, to quote our good friend Mike Leone, we have jumped the shark on Gabe Davis because he didn't meet our way too lofty hopes and dreams from last year. And now he, he went from a, a big loss, maybe big win, small win player last year and at wide receiver 17 to now like as long as Hopkins doesn't sign there, like you like can't lose on Gabe Davis. Because like we saw last year, just a, a floor-ish outcome for him is still five spike weeks, and then the wider, you know, somewhere in the wide receiver twenty-five to thirty range. Like I, I just we we do this with some of these guys where they don't meet our hopes and dreams in a year, and then we plummet them. But like we plummet them way too far, and I think Gabe is just one of those examples. Of those guys, and he's the he's 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 a best ball pick. You don't ever want to have to start Gabe Davis, but you can get him at wide receiver 40. And every time he has those five big games, you get to use that score. Please pray to God. It's in the playoffs. Like that's exactly the kind of guy I want to target at wide receiver. But he's exactly who I thought he was last year. When you look at these numbers, just look at the nuclear weeks, the spike weeks and the dud weeks. If you had told me before the season started, he's going to have two nuclear weeks. He's going to have five spike weeks and he's going to have five dud weeks. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds right. Right. Like that. That's exactly that does like that's who he is. We knew who Gabe Davis was. We knew we were drafting him where we were drafting him. The price was was raised to a point that it shouldn't have been. We knew that last year. But we know that those nuclear weeks are there and we know that he plays for an offense that uh has the potential to go nuclear. They didn't play their week 17 game last week last year. Yeah. That game yeah, was true. that game was starting to shoot out immediately. We don't know what that game would have been. That could have been the third nuclear week, right? Like mm-hmm. All you need to do is take that week one and move it to the playoffs. And Gabe Davis was a win because of that. And we know who he is. You know who Gabe Davis is. I, I just, I don't get the arguments. It's, it's Mike Williams all over again. You know who Mike Williams is. You know what you're going to get with Mike Williams. You know, you're drafting him because he has that 
he has the upside to be the wide receiver one any given week. He's mm-hmm. just got that freakish talent. Gabe Davis has the ability to be the wide receiver one on the week at a, at a reduced cost versus a lot of the other guys that will normally be the wide receiver one. Right. So mm-hmm. like, I, I don't understand like the, the recoil on Gabe Davis from last year. I, I love the price. It, it's just, this is who I thought Gabe Davis was. And I don't know what people were expecting out of Gabe Davis. Yeah, and the year. thing, and and the thing is, he is young. It was his first full time season, so there is a certain percentile at the top of that range that says maybe he is. He does take a step, and that's why we draft young players. Everybody's talking about uh, Jahan Dotson in yeah. that range, who I also love. Yeah, uh, he's not a he's not a bounce back because he already had an awesome year uh, last year. But uh, everybody likes him. It's the same thing. If Jahan Dotson does what he did last year, great. But he's a young player, you know, who's a little bit lower on the pecking order in his particular offense. Maybe he takes a step, right? That was the thing about Gabe is we knew, as you said, we know what he is. We know we're getting this. We know we're getting five to seven big games and a bunch of other meh. (laughs) But there's also a little chance maybe he takes he gets a little better as an actual football player. So like if I know I'm getting this and there's a chance as a young player that he just improves a little bit, like that's a home run pick. Like same thing with Jahan Dotson. That's a home run pick. I know I'm going to get a bunch of good games and you know there's also outs that he just really improves as a football player. Like those are the guys I want. That's why like the the Brandon Cook right? everybody would argue last year you got to take Brandon Cooks got to take Allen Robinson. It's like you're swinging for a single or a double. Like you're praying that this old guy hangs on, right? He hangs on to above average fantasy production. Like I know I'm getting above average fantasy production from this guy. And I have outs to a small percentile where he takes a big, a big leap. Those are the guys I want. And I feel like this year in particular with guys like Gabe, you could, you want to throw Dotson in there or, or whatever, uh, with Pitt, Gabe and Pitts are the two good examples of like, you you almost can't lose. That's an exaggeration, but you almost can't lose drafting them at these new costs because we took last year's way too lofty expectations, and then we now we've jumped all the way down far. To we do this all the time in fantasy, right? Guy doesn't live up to our lofty expectations. Now we're gonna take him way too far the other way, and now these guys are just home runs. These are they're they're home run picks in best ball again specifically. Yeah, and these are the ranges that I talk about where you can do some things that are a little bit unique. Maybe you reach a little bit on Gabe Davis to get somebody around the range like if him and Dotson are going next to each other maybe you want both of them maybe you find a way to make that happen right like if they're too close to each other so it's I just I never understood the Gabe Davis discourse because he's exactly who we thought he was and that's all mm-hmm. I can say about it um, I'm going to bring up a, a an asterisk wide receiver mm. and this is very and I hate talking about him because I don't like drafting him, but I am drafting him on DK quite a bit. And I'm only drafting him on DK. And I did see his name come up in the chat for something, but Deontay Johnson is priced perfectly as a DraftKings pick right now. Like we're talking about a site that's full PPR. You get bonus points for a hundred yards in a game. And the touchdown regression is very real for him because we've said it before. 
touchdown regression positive for him is one freaking touchdown this year, right? He scores four or five touchdowns, does what he normally does. I think he's a, he's a great pick for DraftKings. I'm not touching him on underdog, but I think he's going to overperform and bounce back versus what he was doing last year just based off of just everything that he just has to almost, right? Barring, you know, barring injury, which is like what you can say for everybody, he's going to have a better year than he did last year. And I like Pickens better. I'm still more of a Pickens guy because I just think he has that explosion upside that we like from like a Gabe Davis or something like that. But Deontay Johnson is the perfect guy to add on DK teams when you're just like going volume heavy at wide receiver, right? So he would actually fit in to that build you were talking about earlier, your McCaffrey. Like if you were doing this on DK. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you were doing this McCaffrey, um, Ramondre, Tony Pollard build, and you're just you're leveling out with wide receiver, 11 wide receivers or whatever, Deontay is like the perfect linchpin for that type of build. I another say. thing, another thing you can do is we just we've just now mentioned, well, we brought up Jahan um just from some of the chat, not necessarily from the bounce back thing, but you have Deontay, Dotson, and Gabe all going literally like basically right next to each other. You can toss Pickens in there if you'd like to include him in this. And like, so you don't have to do uh, the robust start to, to do this, but it probably works the best on, say, a robust team where you can like pull one or two of those guys up a little bit, reach on that, right? Because they literally go like right next to each other. So nobody has these guys together, right? Deontay, Gabe, Dotson, Pickens, whatever. And so right. you pull a couple of them up and pair them together and you, you're getting unique, like, who doesn't want Deontay Dotson and Gabe on the same team? And like, what are you sacrificing? Mike Evans? <laughs> like, right, like, who gives right. a shit if you don't have Mike Evans on that, on that team? Um, but yeah, just looking at Deontay stuff, he's the same story. Like, and the other thing about him is, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about 1500 air yards, 1500 air yards, 147 targets. He played almost every snap for the entire season. And he, he had 16 red zone targets. He had 14 end zone targets. It wasn't like he wasn't getting targeted down there. Just the football gods said, fuck you, Deontay. This, you're, this, is, your, this is your Jacoby Myers. This is your Jacoby Myers season. You're just not going to score any touchdowns, right? Whereas Pickens only had six red zone targets and scored four touchdowns. And, like, right. I don't have a problem with Pickens necessarily. But, again, you see here on your screen, Pickens only had a 15% target share. Pickens only had a 10% red zone target share. Deontay had a 27% target share and a 29% red zone target share. So like he just dominated everything all over the field. It's just, he just didn't score any touchdowns. And now he's, he's probably the archetype of a player who under, under uh, performs to his, you know, touchdown expectation a little bit. He's a little guy, right? right? He's not a big, big physical dude, but like, I mean, he's not going to score zero on well, not zero. <laughs> yeah. Like may, may, maybe he scores under expectation, but we're still expecting like, I don't know, six or something like that on this, this type of a volume as a, as an average. And so like, I, I, I agree. These are guys like, I wasn't really drafting Deontay last year. Um, you know, that wasn't really my cup of tea where he was going in the fourth round or something like that. Uh, now he's like one of my favorite wide receivers, especially on DraftKings, as as you mentioned. But I think he's good on underdog too, because like the easiest way to get to a spike week is by having a player who draws a ton of targets, because you can score touchdowns more easily when you draw when you draw when you draw a ton of targets. If they throw you the ball a lot, you know how you score touchdowns. You need the ball, 
you know, that's why uh, yeah. there was a lot of Dawson Knox discussion in the Discord today, which if you're not in the Spike Week Discord, what are you doing? There's a link in the description. But like, I mean, playing on the Bills is great and all, but the number one way you score touchdowns is by them throwing you the football. Like you can be on the Bills and not score touchdowns if they don't throw you the ball. And Deontay is going to get the ball a lot. And like, that's the easiest way to score touchdowns. Now, the Steelers are also like a little bit of a bounce back as an offense as well. You know, I don't like Najee still. I prefer the Jalen Warren side of that. But like everybody besides like what Fryermuth is cheaper than last year. Like, I don't know that Pickett's cheaper, but he hasn't really risen. And now we for sure know that he's going to be the guy. They seem like a good, another good like bet as an offense to, again, not smash, but just like Deontay's probably going to be better. Pickens is probably going to be better. Um, I don't know that Allen Robinson is going to be better, but uh, Fryermuth is probably going to be better. Warren, Najee can't be worse. Warren's yeah. probably going to be better, and Pickett's probably going to be better. So, like, that's good for everybody, but Deontay is definitely the uh, the main man here for me. And I'm looking at his game log, and we're talking – I'm talking about how I'm just taking him on DK specifically. Do you want to take a guess at how many 100-yard games he had last year? Because you might be surprised by that answer. I don't know what it is. Uh, let's say four. Zero. Holy shit. Which, which is shocking, right? But he had like a 98-yard game, an 82-yard game, an 84-yard game. So let's say he gets 400-yard games this year, adds a couple touchdowns. His value on DK increases tremendously because we're getting that extra you know, bonus points on that. And that's something I'm starting to dive into a little bit more on the DK stuff is, is some of that bonus stuff with – I've specifically been looking at like it for quarterbacks right now, but stuff like this is, is real eye opening as well because he's getting, you know, 10 to 13 targets on, on the regular in his offense. So if he's getting five, six, seven catches, a hundred yards, he's so much more valuable on DraftKings than he is on underdog with all, with all that extra stuff. And the touchdowns almost don't even matter. You want them, but everything else for him is like gravy for DraftKings, in my opinion. I totally agree. I totally, totally agree. So the last uh, bounce back that I wanted to bring up is the second one on the thumbnail. And it's not because I believe that this offense is going to bounce back. Frankly, if you put a gun to my head, I would probably say, no, I don't, I don't think that they're, they're going to bounce back, but I think they're maybe the most interesting bounce back to consider. And that is the Denver Broncos. Um, And I don't think it just has to be Russell Wilson, but obviously the bounce back is going to have to be keyed by Russell Wilson being better. Um, we went from last season, the Denver Broncos being the steamiest offense of all time, right? We were all singing their praises. Oh my gosh. They have so many talented wide receivers, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, Alberto and Greg Dolchich. And now you drop in a hall of fame quarterback in Russell Wilson, right? That's all they needed. Now it wheels up. Clearly that failed. Um, and not only failed, but like it just looked bad. You know, like it's one thing to just like underperform a little bit or whatever. Like Justin Herbert underperformed, but you never felt like this is probably why nobody's talking about the Herbert thing because like it didn't look bad. It's just like, yeah, the results didn't pan out. Russ, like it looked like he forgot how to play. And maybe he did forget how to play football. Right. Yeah. And they just could, the wide receivers are getting pissed and it was a disaster. But now, you take out uh, Nathaniel Hackett, you insert Sean Payton, who has been uh, kind of one of the better offensive minds in the NFL in a long time. Uh, you uh, 
uh, take out Melvin Gordon, you add in Samaji P. Ryan, which probably makes him a little bit a little bit better because Melvin was pretty dusty. It looked like last year, and you know you get these wide receivers healthy outside of KJ Hamler, which I guess it's just over for uh, for KJ Hamler. And you know if Sean Payton can work some wizardry with Russell Wilson, like who's to say? They don't go back to what we thought they were going to be last year. Like maybe it was Hackett and Russ needed some time to get up to speed. And now we bring in Sean Payton and he's going to bring the best out of these guys. But the market has said outside of Jerry Judy, who inexplicably we've decided he's the one, like, I mean, I like him the best too, but why is he going like 40th overall and everybody else? We just said, no, fuck all these Broncos, but Judy, I'm in on that dude. Fourth round pick. Very strange what we've done to Jerry Judy. But like, I don't know, man. I go so back and forth on this because I really want to find the situations betting against the market. Like, and this isn't even just people will do the, oh, well, you know, like if, if you were in on the Seahawks when everybody was out on the Seahawks, you printed. I understand that. But this is more of a like, that was everybody had reasonable reasons to be out on the Seahawks last year. In in my opinion, I'm fine going against the market on that, but like people keep saying that about the bucks and I'm like, you guys are searching, for, you guys are searching for an anomaly and trying to it's square peg round hole. Right. We do that all the time. Like who's this year's Cooper cup. Well, fucking nobody is this year's Cooper cup. Like stop trying to find, stop trying to find Cooper cup. You're, you, people are trying to find this year's Seahawks. I'm not trying to do that, but everybody was in on the Broncos. And it was for good reason. And so now one down year and we've said, nope, last year is the truth. Not everything we all believed after they signed Russell Wilson, not everything we believe about Sean Payton and how talented these wide receivers are. We believe last year is the truth. And like, it, I real my, my, my soul like wants to bet against that. But then like my brain is like, did you fucking watch Russell Wilson last year? Like, what are you doing? Don't do, you know, don't do that. So I really got, I, I really go back and forth on this one. So I wanted to bring them up. Yeah. They're tough because my mind goes to, especially with all the talk we heard off season after Sean Payton went there, right? Like trading this guy, trading that guy, all, all these rumors, nothing was ever solid, but there was a lot of rumors my concern is Sean Payton is just ready to tear this team down and rebuild it the way he wants to. So like, he just doesn't give a shit this year. Right. Like, like it's the, it's the, I think you should leave me where the guy's just going around. Like I didn't do shit. I didn't do this. Like that's, that's Sean Payton. He's like, I didn't build this team. I don't give a shit about this team. And he just tears it completely down. But the flip side is, Maybe he can win, win with Russell Wilson. Maybe he wants that challenge. It's, I, I don't know how to call it. I guess I'm betting more towards he's ready to tear the team down and, and just go full rebuild. But I do like taking some of the, the Broncos pieces. I like taking Cortland Sutton where he's going for multiple reasons. I st- We talk about in-season trades. It's happening more in the NFL. If they True. go full rebuild, yeah, maybe they don't trade him before the season. Maybe Cortland Sutton gets traded midseason. Maybe he's the guy that ends up on the Bills, right? They're they're two and you know four. They're one and five or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the Bills come calling like, "Here's a freaking fifth round pick for Cortland Sutton." He gets up to speed by the time the playoffs go. I mean, like we're galaxy branding at that point, right? But I do think it's it's a possibility that something like that could happen. 
my my brain is just telling me to be very careful with the Broncos, be okay one-offing the Broncos, and very much limit your stacks of the Broncos right now. So I did just want to talk about uh, you know people uh, like there's some Judy. So first Judy popped off in the playoffs. Judy popped off in the playoffs. Judy scored well, you know, on on a bad offense. This is one of those. I'm not. I'm not. Obviously, that's a fat. Those are factual statements. But again, sometimes I think it's important. We get really attached to he scored this many fantasy points last year, or here were his fantasy results. Fantasy results are can be highly variant. And, and if we don't dig into like what the actual use, we just showed you Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. The Deontay Johnson usage was, yes, maybe he should generally underperform that a little bit, but not to the level that he did last year. When we look at the Broncos last season, Jerry Judy had, what would they say, 175 points. He played less snaps than Cortland Sutton. He had 200 less air yards than Cortland Sutton. He had 3% lower air yard share. He had nine less targets. He had a 3% lower target share. He had two less red zone targets. Right, he had a six percent lower red zone target share. He had four less end zone targets and a lower a dot. He did nothing from an underlying pers- underlying stats perspective, particularly better than Cortland Sutton. Now you could say he's better, so he's going to be more efficient on his work, and that's fine. But like, all he did was yak, which is an important thing. He's definitely a better yak player so we factor that in but everything else from a Sutton versus Judy perspective was pretty close and actually was in the favor of Sutton so what like what yeah I, I understand why you're, you're you're saying that I'm not saying you guys are wrong I'm saying the market has decided Judy popped off at a certain point and Judy had better production but like in reality like the things were a lot closer with between him and Sutton, at least in terms of last year, Sutton went ahead of Judy, right? You want to talk about bounce backs? Sutton was going before Judy last year. And all of this that I'm showing you right here is like, I don't know which one would you rather have to me? It's the top guy, but he goes at almost pick 100. And the second guy goes in the fourth round, right? So if we're talking even bounce backs from specifically within this team, I'm not a big Cortland Sutton fan as a football player. And I agree. It feels kind of like an uncomfortable click sometimes because of the Broncos sentiment, but like there's plenty of reason to be on Cortland Sutton over Jerry Judy specifically at price. And uh, so I just wanted to kind of show that up. I definitely, definitely. I mean, I think Judy's better, a better football player. I, I totally agree with you. But like sometimes better football players don't always score more fantasy points. Like that, it doesn't always, it doesn't always work out, work out that way. The last well, thing on the Broncos, go ahead. he's Gabe Davis this year, right? Like he's going around the range that Gabe Davis went last I year. Like he has the nuclear upside because he, he can go nuts. I mean, he had six touchdowns last year, but three of them were in the Kansas City game, the first one, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. He he had a good playoffs. He didn't score a touchdown week 15, 16, or 17. Like so, he he was fine in the playoffs. Nothing crazy, crazy. Let me look he at had, that. He had seven catches for thirty-eight yards in the, that last game against Kansas City. He had six catches for one hundred and seventeen, no touchdown against the Rams, and he had seven catches for seventy-six yards in Week Fifteen. He was fine. Probably yep. hit your lineups. Wasn't bad. Yep. His nuclear game was Week Fourteen against Kansas City, where he didn't even get a hundred yards, but he got three touchdowns. Yeah, I remember that. And Sutton didn't play in that game, right? Or or something I think, like 
and I think did Russ get hurt that game too? And yeah, Russ threw. I I remember that game. I stacked it in DFS. Shout out to shout out to me. Uh, But I mean, (laughs) Shogger, I stacked the Chiefs game. Can you believe it? That was uh, that was uh, one of those. But yeah. But uh, anyway, point point being. I, I do understand why Judy would go ahead of Cortland Sutton, but it is funny that within this offense that no one is interested in any of these guys, right? None of them basically go in the top 100 or they go barely in the top 100. And then there's one guy that we've said, yep, he's, I, I love him. I love him. It's kind of patriotcy, right? It's a, they're a little pricier, but it's like, I understand why everybody loves Ramondre, but like, if the Patriots are really so bad that we can't draft any of the other, like literally we can't draft any other Patriots. I don't mm. know that I want to take Ramondre at the two, three turn, you know? And so something has to give. And to me, it's, it's just, I, I Ramondre should go there, but the Patriots are underpriced. And I think with the Broncos, it's kind of a similar situation. Judy either should probably go where he goes, but that probably means some of these other guys are underpriced because it's going to be hard for Judy to be a top, 15 wide receiver if this offense is really this bad but then the other side could be true that if the broncos are as bad as they were last year like it's probably also not going to be a very good thing for judy like you said because i agree that if the broncos are going to be this bad it's it's not going to be last year where they just keep trying it it's going to be we're burning this fucker to the ground like sean payton is is, we're done with russ right we're going to see if russ still has it because they can get out from Russ after his contract after this year, they have to eat some money, but like not a ton. Yeah. Uh, and so this is, this could be the experiment. And if Russ sucks for six or eight weeks, they could just, they could trade everybody, burn it down and Sean Payton's going to start over. So that's the, that's the risk that didn't exist last year for the Broncos. And that's why they're hard. They're harder to click. I think you're going to know by week three. Like, I think, I think they're going to be that it's going to be that deliberate where if he thinks that, he doesn't have a team because I think he's going to know before week one. He's going to give the experiment. He'll a chance. at least know how he feels about this, right? For right. sure. And then if it and if it like establishes his priors and they're zero and three or one and two, they might just they might just burn this fucker all the way down to the ground. You might see one of the two wide receivers go somewhere. They just start stockpiling picks. They shut. Um, oh my god, what's his name down? Like a Javante, Javante, yeah, they shut Javante down just to get him ready for next year. It's another reason I'm grabbing a ton of P Ryan because I they don't care about Samaji P Ryan, just no. fucking run him into the ground this year, right? Like run P Ryan into the ground as much as you can. So that's I think that's probably the likelihood. But to the chat's point, if anyone is going to pop off in a playoff game and get you like that league winning week it is jerry judy mm-hmm. but understand he's probably a lower advanced rate guy that has tournament winning upside like you know what you're getting know what you're getting don't fall into the gabe davis thing last year where you think gabe davis is going to be this like you know hall of fame randy moss level player all of a sudden jerry judy is very good at football but he is very specific in the sense that he has nuclear games and then he has duds and that's who he is as a player. So he's, that's what we've seen over the number of years. We definitely saw it last year on this <laughs> offense. So just know what you're getting. Like you guys just have to understand what you're getting when you draft the player. And that doesn't mean it's a bad pick. It, yeah. it doesn't. If you know, like if you're building a certain type of team, it's fine. 
I don't want Jerry Judy as my number one wide receiver. If he's coming in as my third or fourth, beautiful, right? Like if I if I'm getting early wide receivers, Judy's fine. If I'm grabbing that McCaffrey Pollard Ramadre team, I generally don't want Jerry Judy as the number one. And if he is, then I got to make sure I build the rest of my wide receivers properly around that. Where it is, I do got to get a DeAndre, uh, Deon, Deontay Johnson and stuff like that. So Hopkins is really fucking with our brains here. He needs to just sign <laughs> so I can stop uh, thinking about how he's going to tank. And well, he's, any of my guys. he's torching all my teams because he's going to the Chiefs. I know, same. Um, but uh, just on just on that, I was going to say that a kind of fitting way to kind of conclude the the bounce back thing and what you're saying about Judy and what we said about Gabe and really a, a lot of these guys and and really just about any player in best ball but like we we love to get in the weeds really break these players down i i love it like who doesn't love it it's really fun to kind of get into your player takes and and dig into some of this data and all that kind of stuff but at the end of the day the reason you're doing that is because every player is like a chess piece and like I, I don't mean that in the way that like oh they're of course they're all pieces that I move to to try to win this. I mean that in a way that like when you play chess, there are different kinds of pieces and they all f- uh, like do different things for your team, right? The queen does something different than the rook, right? And the knight does something, di- et cetera, et cetera. And so don't like and that's okay. You need pawns, you need rooks, you need those to right to win a game of chess, to win a game of best ball. It's not like not every player is the same. Not every player is going to give you this. Oh, he can be Cooper cup. Not every player is going to give you right. Uh, the, the Broncos offense is not going to give you a level of stability. <laughs> like it doesn't mean that the Broncos offense is a bad stack to draft. If you wanted to say the market says they suck. If they're wrong, I'm going to win all the money by stacking the Broncos. I would say that makes total sense. That makes perfect sense, but you have to know what you're getting yourself into. Cause you could, you could go to zero. You put your money on the Broncos, and that's okay. I, I love taking – I mean, you saw me, Gabe Davis, Kyle Pitts, Trey Lance. I'll draft all these crazy dudes. But, like, you have to know what we're, you're getting We're lucky into. Eric has a shirt. Yes. Almost had exactly. to sell everything. Fun fact. This shirt <laughs> this shirt says, get rich or deposit trying. Uh, and I've been really living up to that mantra in basketball <laughs> these last couple of couple of years. Um, but, uh, but, like, that's the thing is like this whole like bounce back stuff is like, what are you, what, what chess piece is Deontay Johnson? What chess piece is Russell Wilson? What, right. They all have, every player makes up a different, their archetypes, their profiles their that, that becomes a chess piece, right? Christian McCaffrey is a, is a different chess piece than Javante Williams, right? If you want to say Javante Williams is, it was a second round pick last year. I understand he was injured, but he's way too cheap. Now, if you wanted to say that by all means, we have to understand the injury, the risk, the Broncos risk, the P Ryan risk. You have to understand all that as, as to what it is, right? Same thing with the Broncos. You have to understand Deontay Johnson is probably, you can't get tilted when Deontay Johnson uh, regresses and scores three touchdowns <laughs> because like, this is kind of just what Deontay Johnson is. You shouldn't expect 18 touchdowns, but like knowing all these things, identifying what these chess pieces are and then moving, putting all the chess pieces together in a draft is the whole fucking point of all of this best ball stuff, right? It's not about, I know better about Deontay Johnson. It's not, it's identifying what kind of chess piece Deontay Johnson is and how he fits into your, into your teams and into your portfolio. Absolutely. Couldn't have said better myself. Probably could have, but I'll, I'll let you take the credit for this one. Yeah. Bullshit. You could have, um, we are going to get out of here. 
we're going to be posting tons and tons of different draft streams coming up. I got to get my shit together on a couple of our uh, how to win at best ball videos. I have a million other different ideas for some pre-recorded strategy videos that are going to be coming out. We're just going to be cranking. To be, if you are not subscribed, I promise um, you will not regret it. If you subscribe to this channel, we're cranking out tons and tons of strategy content, draft streams, stuff like this. Shorts. We have a lot of good shorts, some very funny, some a little bit more informative um, content of all kinds for best ball that'll really help you over the course of this summer. And then the last thing is uh, just before this show, I posted the latest article that uh, I'm pretty excited about. Actually, it's very long. So sorry, bear with me. Uh, I, I'm a rambler, as you guys can obviously tell uh, about how to implement an exploitative best ball strategy. Uh, I think most strategy discussion becomes around, you know, which players should I draft? Which draft strategy should I use? What worked last year? And all of that. And I think our best way to really win is honestly none of that. And it's how do we exploit uh, some of the gaps in the market? And I think it was a fitting kind of thing to read in relation to this discussion about bounce backs because bounce backs can be one of the easiest things to exploit, right? Last year, we were excited about the Broncos. Now everybody's out on the Broncos. If we're wrong, you can exploit that. Um, and so tons of other examples around that. So make sure to check that out. But Rob, anything else before we get out of here? Nope. Just to, clear, just to close out that point, it's overcorrection from the market allows you to get value on these guys. Gabe Davis is the perfect point. Was he a fourth rounder? No. Should he be a sixth rounder? Probably. Now he's an eighth rounder. So <laughs> now you're you're getting the value, right? And it's a lot of these guys. So be looking at those players going forward and but look at them as how they fit on your team every guy fits differently as we brought up and get the value for those guys when it makes sense for that particular team 100 um we'll be back with another uh, i think pre-record video tomorrow so make sure you're uh, subscribed to the channel and then Karain and i will be back with again it is pre-recorded but you'll see it here on the channel with another legendary sickos episode this thursday talking about uh projected ownership and player combinations and uniqueness and all of those fun conversations but guys will it have be a, have eight a, hours long again uh we're, we're shooting for three and a half hours this time <laughs> we're gonna see we're gonna see how we're gonna experiment with how absurdly long we can go before people finally stop listening you know what i mean Fair. i'm gonna see i'm gonna see how many times i can say all right to wrap up and then <laughs> which is what happened last time I was, uh, dying. I was dying. it was, re it was really it. funny i was laughing a, a couple times i had to even like go on mute because i would say <laughs> all right and to get out of here what about this guy and then we would go on for two more hours literally yeah. uh everybody have a, have a have a good night we'll see you tomorrow thursday within the next couple of days peace Ooh, those were some spicy takes want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at spike week why don't you press that subscribe button below you turn notifications on we draft a team boom you know about it we have another spicy take Boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.